Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we'll be today. 3 verse 16 is where we'll start. Ecclesiastes 3. Molly, one of our staff members, always behind the camera and behind the scenes. She's going to read our passage for us. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man, that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts. For all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was, no, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, great is your faithfulness. And as we look at a passage that deals with injustice and oppression and the tears of the oppressed, may our hearts be stirred to your faithfulness. To the one who brings comfort, to the one who brings care, to the one who brings tears on our behalf. May our hearts be stirred to you, the great comforter. God, as I teach today, may, may you crucify in me any, any uh, parts that come from my own brokenness, from my own um, powerlessness, from my own sense of injustice. And may I, um, may I teach your word fearlessly and boldly, but with all humility. For the hearers this morning, may they come open-handed Asking you to, uh, Spirit, Holy Spirit, to reveal in their hearts where repentance continues, uh, need, needs to continue to come. God, as a community, may you move us all more towards uh, looking and acting and talking and thinking like Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen. How do we deal with the thought of God, with injustice in the world. That's where Solomon's going to take us today. He's walking through the meaning of life. He's walking through life, looking into life and evaluating life. And if he's going to do that, 
with any integrity, he, he must and he does come to the place of what do we do with the reality of believing in God, yet so much injustice and pain and suffering in this world. Because we all see injustice and we all want justice. And there's this part of us to say, God, why? Why do you let this happen? If only, God, you would stop this, then life would make sense here. Life would be able to have to have meaning to my life. And as we think about injustice, there's really four approaches to the problem. Number one, I don't believe in God. I look at the chaos and injustice in the world and the evil in the world and the murder and all the things and I say, there is no way there's a God. If there is a God, this would not happen. That's one way to deal with the problem of injustice. Here's another one is, is to say, well, I believe in God, that God is all-powerful that he can do whatever, he could stop injustice, that God is all-powerful, but obviously he is not good. So why would I want to love and serve a God like that? That's one approach to the problem of evil, that God is all-powerful, but not all-good. Here's an approach that trickles into a lot of Christianity. Well, God is all-good, but he's not all-powerful. So God is, is up in heaven and he sees the injustice in the world and his heart breaks for it and he, and he and cries for what he sees, but oh, if he could just stop it. This is the belief of deism. And here's what deism says, that God created the world, gave it a good spin, and then hands off, sits back, and is disconnected to this world. That's one way People of faith have tried to deal with the reality of injustice and evil. Here is what we believe at Hill City that the Bible teaches, that God is all-powerful and God is good. That he's both. That he has all power to do and say and stop whatever he wants. We see many times through the Bible, God stepping in and asserting his will over other people's will, that, pe that humans don't have all free will to do whatever they want, that God can intervene whenever he wants. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hands of the Lord. He will turn it wherever he wills. God is all powerful and he is all good. Psalm 103.8, the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. See, as believers, here's what we hold biblically, that God is all-powerful and, all, and is all-good, and that creates a whole other list of questions, doesn't it? It still creates this question, okay, God, if you're all-powerful, you can stop it, and you're all-good, and, and, and you're about love, and you're about justice, then why do you allow? We still are faced with the question. Now, there was no injustice in the Garden of Eden. Eden was completely under the rule and reign of God, but when Adam and Eve sinned, they created a new kingdom apart from God's kingdom. The Bible calls this the kingdom of the world, the age of sin and death. Solomon calls it under the sun. So now you have the reality of two kingdoms. You have this kingdom of God where his rule and reign exist. Jesus said, I am bringing this kingdom. The kingdom has arrived, he said. But yet we still live under the sun in a world of the age of sin and death where Satan rules and evil and injustice her. And that's what Solomon's trying to make sense of. Verse 16. 
I saw under the sun in the place of justice there was wickedness. In the place of righteousness there was wickedness. And I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter under the sun. See, in this kingdom of the world mentality, here's what Solomon says, in the place where there should be justice, the courts, the government, our institutions, there's wickedness. He says what we know. Life isn't fair. Sometimes the bad guy wins and the good guy loses. That there was no injustice in the garden, but under the sun, injustice reigns. The poor are defenseless and their rights are not protected. Then the rich get acquitted with the right team of lawyers. That people are wrongly accused, sometimes accidentally and sometimes intentionally. That many go to prison and some even executed for crimes they did not commit. There is injustice in this world. And we see it. The Equal Justice Initiative says this, for every nine people who have been executed in the United States, one person on death row has been exonerated and released. That is a scary statistic. And that's what Solomon says. Under the sun, in the place that there's supposed to be righteousness, there's wicked. In the, in the place there's supposed to be justice, we won't find it. Hill City Church, do you know injustice? Do you know being wrongly accused? Do you know being misunderstood? Do you know being powerless? And the answer to a lot of most of us to that is yes, I do. And Solomon says yes, because we live in the kingdom of the world under the sun where this reigns. As Solomon writes this, he is a descendant of, a, of an oppressed people, a people who were slaves in Egypt being mistreated generation after generation, crying out to God, God, will you rescue me? And, and then the great story of how God sends a deliverer, a picture of Jesus, a deliverer to come and lead them out of their slavery into freedom. He comes as he writes this from a group of people that knows oppression and slavery and suffering. They had a song that they taught their children. We find it. It's called Moses' Song. It's in the book of Exodus. I'm actually going to read uh, part of it. This is what the, they would sing this song together as, as Israelites to remember the oppression that they suffered and how God led them out. Here's the song of Moses from Exodus 15. And Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song as he, he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O oh Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O oh Lord, shatters the enemy. Who is like you, O oh Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds and wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them up, and you have led in your steadfast love, the people whom you have redeemed. 
and you have guided them by the strength of your holy abode. They taught the reality of their own oppression to their children, and they sang of how the Lord redeemed and rescued them out of it. Solomon writes from a group of people that know oppression. As I read that song, it makes me wonder how many, how a new generation of Jewish followers of Yahweh maybe prayed that prayer as they walked into the death chambers. Solomon says oppression, evil, injustice, it's in our world. Why doesn't God act? Anyone feel it? Why doesn't God step in? Well, Solomon, he's wrestling with this. He goes on, verse 18. He sees this injustice. He sees the pain. He sees the hurt. And here's what he said. I said in my heart in regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man, what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, for all is hevel, vanity. All go to one place, all are the, from the dust, and the dust all return. You see how injustice takes, takes into a really dark place? He looks at the injustice in the world, and here's what he says. God is testing humans. Now, this test isn't for God's benefit, it's for ours, and he's testing them, he's testing us to reveal our character. It's not in the sense of pass or fail, it's to reveal to us what Solomon says, we are but beasts. Now, we believe in the Imago Dei here, which is that humans have dignity, honor, and respect, and glory above the animals. So your cat is different than a human. That's not what Solomon's teaching here. But he looks at this and he says, because of the injustice, if you look under the sun, if you try to make sense under the sun, we are no different because pushed into a corner, I will kill just like a lion. Anyone? When it comes down to it, we can tear each other apart. That's what Solomon sees. And so with this under the sun mentality, he says, what, what difference is there? between humans and, man, and, and animals because we just tear each other apart. And then the great equalizer is, verse 20, all go to one place. What, what's the place? The ground. All are from dust, and dust all return. And who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of beast goes down into the earth. Here's what he says. Pressed into a corner in the midst of injustice, we're all, we can all be animals. We can all tear each other apart. Look out for number one. And the end, we die just like your dog Fido. And we all go into the ground. And the reality is no one ha knows what happens in death. Now, you can write a book about it and make a ton of money right now. About 30 minutes in heaven or 20 minutes... And a lot of people read it because there's this big question. We want to know what happens at the end, but ultimately none of us know. Anyone have direct revelation? No. And so he's trying to make sense of injustice under the sun. He says, I feel, I just feel like we're all like animals. We kill each other, then we die and we go to the ground under the sun. 
It keeps going, verse 1. Again, I saw that all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. So as he looks around at injustice, he, he hears and he sees the cries of the oppressed, and the oppressed, the tears come, they cry out, but he says the tragedy is there's no one that will hear their cries, there's no one that will cry with them, the, po the poor, the powerless cry out, but they had no one to comfort them. And then he says on the other side, there are oppressors, and the oppressors have one thing in common, power. Hill City Church, are we in touch with oppression in our day? Because surely we're not naive enough to say, well, that was Solomon's day. <laughs> right? H have we progressed that far? Are we in touch with oppression? Are we in touch with the cries of the unborn and the orphan? Are we in touch with oppression, the sexual abuse that reigns on our college campuses? With racism that exists in our day, with the cries of the poor, this is tough, but with the seven-year-old that stitched your hoodie in another country. With genocide that's not a pastime that still occurs in, recently in places like Rwanda and then the Sudan. The cries of the immigrant. Are we in touch with the cries of the oppression? Hill City, are you in touch with your own story of oppression? Have you shed tears on your own behalf? Because do we not all know some sort of being powerless and being oppressed? Every one of us does. There's not one person in this room that does not know some sort of oppression. Are we in touch with that? Because Solomon says, here's the problem with oppression, the tears of the oppressed. There is no one there to comfort them. So it's just not the trauma that is the issue, but it's the fact that out of the trauma, there's no one to comfort and hold their, hold their tears and bring healing that it's actually another cycle of trauma. Where is God? How could God be all loving and all powerful at the same time? That's what Solomon's wrestling with. Because here's the truth, we all know oppression and we all know being the oppressor. There's not one adult in this room that doesn't know oppression, nor is there one adult in this room that doesn't know being the oppressor. That we're both at the same time. And the Bible, the Bible clearly shows this over and over through scripture. I, I can just tell a few stories. Like the Bible is full of injustice 
even among its heroes. Let's start at the beginning. Abraham committed adultery at best with his servant, Hagar. Um, At worst, he raped her and then attempted to give his wife as a slug save to save his own skin. That's Abraham's story. Jonah, his deep ethnocentrism and racism, he hated the Assyrians. Saul, a jealous-fueled attempted murder. David used his power as king to take someone else's wife for himself and then have her husband killed. Even among the Bible's heroes, it shows their oppression, yet at the same time, it acknowledges their contributions to God's pursuit, or God's kingdom and his, his goodness coming. Isn't that a contradiction? Yes. That these people, these heroes of the faith, At 